Chapter 13 How the Filling Comes How does the filling of the Spirit come? Does it come once for all, or is it always coming? This is what a young candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit once asked me. There are many asking the same questions. We have considered how the fullness is obtained, but now we proceed to consider how does the fullness come. In speaking of the blessing of being filled with the Spirit, the New Testament writers use three tenses in the Greek, the aorist, the imperfect, and the present. Each of these tenses has a different shade of meaning. The inspiring Spirit has employed these different tenses for a purpose, and it will be to our benefit to try and get at that purpose, to note the differences, and to learn His meaning. The aorist tense This is a tense to which the English language is a stranger. It generally denotes a sudden, definite act of the past, something done and finished with. An example is, they were filled, as in Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. The imperfect tense. This denotes, as in English, a past progressive tense. It is an action that is ongoing with no defined beginning or end. An example is a verb in the Greek that would indicate they were being filled, literally, as in Acts 13.52, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The present tense. This one also denotes, as in English, what its name implies. An example demonstrates full as the normal condition, as in Acts 11.24, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Next we will look at passages in Acts, in which the various tenses are found. Examples of the Aorist tense. Scripture. It filled the whole house. Acts 2, 2. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 4. Peter was already filled at this time, and he was there. Scripture. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, 8. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, 31. Peter was again among them. Peter received the filling in the Aorist tense in Acts 2, 4, again in 4, 8, and yet again in 4, 31. So an Aorist filling may be repeated and repeated again and yet again. On both occasions, in 4, 8 and 4, 31, there was special need, and to meet this special need, Peter received a fresh and special and definite filling of the Holy Spirit. From this we learn that to equip us for every new, important, or difficult service to which we may be called, the Lord Jesus is prepared to grant us a fresh infilling, a refilling of the Holy Spirit. These refillings may be, and ought to be, repeated just as often as the need arises. We see it reported twice in one chapter that Peter was refilled. It will be noted that for the reasons already mentioned in chapter 8 of this book, the expression, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, or refilling, is used instead of received a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see in Acts 9.17, referring to Saul, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul was not to begin his life work until he was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. He must receive the very same blessing and equipment as the other apostles received at Pentecost. 
This was Saul's Pentecost, and for him, as for others, service began at Pentecost. We read, But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, 9. The man who was filled in chapter 9 of Acts is filled anew in this passage. The Aorist blessing is repeated, equipping him for the special work on hand, namely, administering that scathing rebuke to Elimas the sorcerer. In all these passages, the blessing is spoken of as a crisis, a moment, not as a process. Examples of the imperfect tense Scripture and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Acts 13.52. This is the only passage in Acts where the imperfect tense is used. It's not the aorist tense were filled, but the imperfect were being filled, implying the inflow not only to make up for but also to sustain the outflow. The same idea of the imperfect is seen in Ephesians 5.18, Be filled with the Spirit where Principal Moule, whom I mentioned in chapter 10, points out that the Greek verb rendered be filled may be rendered with equal correctness as be filling with the Holy Spirit. The preceptive verb is in the present or continuing tense, and it commands a course, a habit, so that in this sense the fullness is always coming. It is spoken of as a process, not as a crisis. Moment. Examples of the Present Tense Acts 6, 3 says, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Men whose normal condition was full of the Holy Spirit. It is well worth noticing the business for which these deacons were wanted. They were to look after temporal affairs, to feed a few decent old Greek widows, and yet even for this business the men must be full of the Holy Spirit none other need apply. How far the church of today has strayed from apostolic practice! When an election of office-bearers takes place nowadays for men to manage something like the temporal affairs of Christ's church, who ever thinks of looking out for men full of the Holy Spirit? Many a man is elected to office in the church of the living God who doesn't have the Spirit of Christ at all, who is therefore not a child of God, much less full of the Holy Spirit. He is a man of social position, a man of means, and if he is not full of the Holy Spirit, he is at least full of this world's goods, and you know he will be a pillar in our church, someone might say. Yes, as someone has well remarked, he will be a caterpillar. The church of the New Testament does not need pillars of that kind. The church of Jesus Christ and his apostles does not need to be propped up by children of the devil. What right do we have to ask an alien, a man who is without Christ, having no hope and without God in the world, Ephesians 2.12, to assist in managing and controlling our Father's house? Such was not apostolic practice. Do not be bound together with unbelievers, 2 Corinthians 6.14. There is such a great amount of unequal yoking in many of our churches although the church's Lord expressly forbids it. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Deuteronomy 22.10. Who is responsible for this unequal yoking? Isn't it the church members who elect these men and put them into office in the church of God? Church members, 
Beware, the next time offices are to be filled in your church, whether they have to do with the temporal affairs or with the spiritual, and remember apostolic advice. Seek out among you men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. When we get back to apostolic practice in this matter, we may hope to get back apostolic blessing, but not until then. In Acts 6 5, we read of Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. In those brave days of the past, it was a case of demand and supply. Wanted seven men full of the Holy Spirit, and immediately they were available. Is the trouble nowadays in the demand or in the supply? It's in both. The demand for spirit filled men is very lacking, but even if the demand revived tomorrow, how deplorably few could be found in our churches who bear the trademark as up to sample. Still, signs of revival in both demand and supply are not lacking. Let's remember that Stephen's companions were men full of the Holy Spirit, although Stephen is the only one of whom it is expressly stated. He was the most remarkable man of the seven, a man in whom the graces of the Spirit shone with obvious brightness. His faith was so mighty that special mention needs to be made of it. It's not sufficient to describe him as a man full of the Holy Spirit, but it must be stated that he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Faith was his outstanding grace. Scripture, being full of the Holy Spirit, he, Acts 7, 55. This was Stephen's normal condition right up to the very end of his life. It was true of him when we get our first glimpse of him, and it was true also as he passes through the veil into the unspeakable glory. Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit. Acts 11.24 A good man indeed, and so full of the Spirit of God that there was no room for self, for we read that he came into the midst of a great revival, a revival of which he had no hand in bringing about, and instead of being filled with envy at the divinely chosen instruments, instead of picking holes in the work, and depreciating the whole movement, he was filled with gladness. We read that he rejoiced, Acts 11.23. It's obvious this man was full of the Holy Spirit. How many there are nowadays who are not like Barnabas! Having now considered the passages in which the various tenses are used, we are able to answer the question, How does the blessing come? Does it come once for all, or is it always coming? There are sudden, definite fillings, repeated with more or less frequency, times when the believer is conscious of being filled, and when he can say, I was filled. Between this experience, filled, which is an aorist blessing, and that which should be the normal experience of every Christian, meaning full, which is a present blessing, it is evident that there is a great gap. But God has graciously bridged the gap for us. The connecting link between the aorist were filled and the present full is the imperfect were being filled, so that the blessing is always coming. Does it come once for all? A thousand times no. If by once for all it is meant that we are reservoirs into which the fullness is poured, so that once we are filled we are independent of fresh supplies from the Lord Jesus, that surely would be a curse instead of a blessing. What reservoir is there that does not need replenishing? Some Christians say that at times, after some piece of service has been finished, they feel as if they were empty, as if their souls had been quite drained, and now they are dry and thirsty. 
It doesn't need to be this way. It's not this way with a spirit-filled worker whose faith is in active exercise, for he is being filled all the time. Filled from the Reservoir In travelling between Melbourne and my home, I often stop at a wayside trough to give the horse a drink. I notice the trough is quite full of water, and there is a box in one end of it. After the horse drinks, the water lowers, and soon I hear a sound as of a running tap. Yes, the sound comes from the box. That box covers a mechanism that needs explaining. Within it there is a tap connected by pipes with the Yan Yin Reservoir up in the Plenty Ranges. A metal ball is attached by a lever to the tap, which rests on the surface of the water. As the horse drinks, the water on which the ball floats is lowered, and thus the ball is lowered. The lowering of the ball opens the tap, and the Yan Yin begins to pour in, so that, although the water is withdrawn by the thirsty animal, a fresh supply is poured in, and the trough is being filled so that it is always full. May it be this way with the soul of the believer. No matter what the outflow into the surrounding emptiness may be, or the withdrawals by thirsty, needy souls, there is the continual inflow, so that there may be the constant fullness. Indeed, the outflow depends directly on the inflow. One can only give as he gets. It is our responsibility to see to the connection between us and the infinite reservoir way up among the hills of God that is kept open. It's up to us to see that the tap is kept in proper working order by faith and prayer and meditation, and then one might almost say the heart will be kept full automatically, filled with all the fullness of God no matter what the spiritual drain upon us may be. For now it is not a question of our capacity to contain, but a question of God's infinite supply for all our needs. This is also the explanation of the overflow, the flowing rivers of John 7.38. It's the overflow, and only the overflow, that blesses. There is not a drop for thirsty souls until someone overflows. It is the overflow in the Sunday school class and in the pulpit, and for that matter, in every other sphere of Christian service that brings blessing. This overflow is in direct proportion to the inflow. Rivers cannot flow out unless rivers first flow in. An ordinary service pipe in our domestic water supply may serve to illustrate some of the points we have been considering. We take a bucket to the tap for water, and suddenly there is none. Something is wrong. Either the authorities have cut off our supply because of some infraction of the law on our part, or there is an obstruction in our service pipe, or the pressure is insufficient to give us even a drop, or the supply is so deficient that it has been shut off from us for a time so it may be sent in another direction. Unfortunately, Sometimes the flow of the living waters from the soul of the believer ceases, but the ordinary round of duty, either in the community visiting, or in the Sunday school class, or in the pulpit, has not ceased. A ceaseless stream of talk may still flow on, but there is no living water in it at all. Why? It's not that the pressure behind us, the pressure in the infinite reservoir way up among the hills of God, is insufficient, or that the supply is deficient unable to meet our needs because it is supplying needy ones elsewhere. God's water supply never breaks down or fails, as we often experience with our city supply. If the flowing has ceased, it is for one of two reasons. Either God has, in mercy and in judgment, 
cut off the supply, or there is an obstruction in us, and sin is at the bottom of both reasons. Scripture Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Psalm 139, 23-24 Confession and cleansing is the divinely appointed method for making right what has gone wrong. Sometimes on going to the tap we find there is water, but it's such a miserable dribble. It might be from insufficient pressure or some partial obstruction in the pipe, or perhaps it is because we have not opened the tap fully. What a wretched parody we see between the flowing rivers of John 7:38 and the life and service of many of the Christians of today. Some of the living water, no doubt, comes from them, but it only percolates through, dribbling and trickling out of them. Why? Certainly not from insufficient pressure, as has been already remarked. The fault and the failure is not on God's side, but there is some local obstruction, amounting in many a case to almost entire obstruction, some little idol or other in our heart, if not a sin, yet certainly a weight. Hebrews 12, 1, and this hinders the outflow. Confession and cleansing are still God's remedy. The hindrance may be our unbelief, which limits the Holy One of Israel, Psalm 78, 41, and opens the tap only a little instead of opening it fully. This is when we expect little, when we were divinely authorized to expect much. It happens when we refuse to obey the command, Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it, Psalm 81, 10. Rivers cannot flow through a heart full of unbelief. Sometimes, again, we go to the tap and get a little water and a great deal of air. What a noise! Air is a very good thing in its own place, but that's not in a water pipe. That is meant to convey water and nothing else. And for the water pipe to do its work, it's necessary that it be emptied and cleansed of everything else, even of air. Scripture has said that some things puff up, and there is a good deal of puff in some hearts through which the living water is supposed to be flowing. God be merciful to us. Such hearts, like our water pipe, need emptying and cleansing. Yet once more, on going to the tap, we find a splendid supply. The pipe is clean, the pressure is good. Before we open the tap, the pipe is full of water. When the tap is opened and the bucket fills, the pipe is still full. For although the water pours out at the tap, it pours in at the reservoir, so that the pipe is kept full, even though the tap is open and the water streams from it. When the tap is shut, you cannot say any more about the pipe now other than it is still full of water. May it be this way with a believer who is spiritually adjusted. When resting at his master's feet, he is full. When actively engaged in service, he is still full. His normal condition is full of the Holy Spirit, because he has learned how to obey the command, Be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18